0: What the hell, man? It's like you just came off a ranch. We're on the ranch. <laughs> when someone shows up in a cowboy hat, I don't think we've ever had anybody show up in a cowboy hat. Maybe.
1: We need to diversify your listenership and audience here a little bit. <laughs> yeah, we've been out fixing fence all day.
0: Uh, you've been doing that for a couple of days now. you you moving some cows around?
1: Uh, getting ready for cows to show up.
0: Oh, fantastic! Fantastic. Uh, well, as I said to you on um, on email, Cody has decided to leave us to to talk trash about him since he's not here. <laughs> I'll indulge. <laughs> and he is uh, entertaining himself fly fishing with a bunch of marine vets and uh, practicing as we you know he enjoys his catch and release you know. Torturing the fishes as yes. you like to call it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad he's out doing that. That sounds like more fun than fencing.
0: Heck yes. Heck yes. Uh, I am back in the office. Finally, I've been out of, the, out of the office for three and a half weeks down in real deep South, not South Africa, but New Zealand and Australia. Um, oh, okay. great. Epic trip. Good content. Jet lag smoked me last week. Like, really smoked me. I guess I'm just getting old. That's the problem long flight that's not that on the way back you actually get lulled into a, a false sense of like oh this isn't going to be too bad because the flight there is like fourteen forty-five, almost 15 hours on the way home it was 12 hours 20 because we had a 149 kilometer per hour tailwind so wow. you're like oh 12 hours oh that's easy you know <laughs> and what were you doing down there We're filming some documentaries on, actually, we we focused on the three, there's three individuals in New Zealand that are like touted as the, the hunter led conservationists in New Zealand. And so we went down and filmed them in their respect and they, and they represent three different species because every single species to hunt in New Zealand is essentially invasive, dare I say invasive, feral, but they consider them a valuable resource. So there's Sika deer that came from Japan. Uh, there is tar that came from Nepal. And then you've got what they call wapiti, wapiti yeah, yeah. which is the red deer elk hybrid that Theodore Roosevelt gifted them in 1905. Right. So we, uh, we interviewed those three and, and sort of went into the backwoods with them. We also in, invested about 75,000 US dollars from a conservation project perspective into New Zealand to fund trap lines, to remove stoats and weasels and rats and mice, to protect their native flightless birds, kiwis, and then their native blue ducks. Um,
1: Very cool. Good for you.
0: Yeah, so it's good stuff. It's good stuff. But today, uh, and before I continue, Gaspar Pericone, welcome back to the Roundup. Um, And you're here specifically because the last time we had you on
1: the Roundup, we talked about the exact same issue we did under different times unfortunately
0: so let's uh let's just give everyone context uh last time you were with us we were talking about giving people information about the two bills that were making their way through the legislature as it uh pertained to wolves not guns <laughs> wolves. <laughs> and uh we were we were we gave all of the information there were two really good bills um, they seem to have as you said great bipartisan support for the two bills yep and both of them have made it through to be signed by the governor that's correct however there's the this one, however there is a big however there is one and the reason we wanted to have you on and get this out very quickly is a day ago Governor Polis issued a veto. And he issued a veto on Senate Bill 23256, which was the one that was... Let me not get it right. What was Senate Bill 256 going to do, Gaspar?
1: Yeah, so Senate Bill 256, um, as you mentioned, is one of the two Wolf Bills working its way through. And it was... At its core, a safety net for the state to ensure that a wolf reintroduction into Colorado happened under a 10-J rule. And that 10-J rule is, of course, a provision of the Endangered Species Act that allows the state to reintroduce um, an endangered species as a non-essential experimental population, which gives some management flexibility to the state and provides some management prescriptions for landowners, um, and it allows for things like lethal take and increased hazing techniques um, for chronically depredating wolves. And so um, the, the bill would have explicitly stated that a reintroduction could not occur until Colorado had received the 10-J designation from U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and specifically, again, just to hammer home the point, the reason the 10-J is so critical is under the current guidelines that wolves are quote-unquote endangered from a, they would be, they are quote-unquote classified as on back on the ESA in Colorado, there are certain restrictions to what you can do at a state level because of that designation. The 10J would provide you flexibility for management and lethal take, lethal control, not lethal take, lethal control,
1: Right Up wolves. Yeah, when you think about the Endangered Species Act, there's three designations, right? You've got what everybody knows as endangered. And then, of course, there is the step down from that, which is the threatened species and then the non listed species. And um, the 10J actually was a provision that was added later by the U.S. Congress um, after recognizing that there was not an awful lot of incentive for states to participate in the recovery of species because the standards were so strict and it allowed so little flexibility for landowners and those that would be impacted that they created this 10j section um, as a way to provide some additional management flexibility to encourage folks to want to help in the recovery of endangered species and um, the, as you mentioned the, the real value is that it when you engage in a 10j the reintroduced population is reintroduced not as endangered, not as threatened, but as a non-essential experimental population. And with that comes all of the management prescriptions and flexibility that you just highlighted.
0: So that bill went through the House, went through the Senate. Everyone said, yep, good to go. We think it's a good idea. Even probably, as you said, bipartisan support for it got to the governor's desk, and the governor vetoed it. Why did the governor veto this, Gaspar?
1: That's a great question, and I, it's a shame. I, I really don't understand the, the logic um, behind this particular veto. Obviously we, we've heard the explanation that um, they are of the opinion that it would have potentially delayed the reintroduction. Um, they've made arguments that it goes against the Will of the voters, because we got to remember that um, what initiated the reintroduction effort in Colorado was Proposition 114. Yep. Um, and, and the people of Colorado did pass it. It was a narrow victory, to be clear. But, um, you know, yep. the, the majority of Colorado residents decided that they wanted to see wolves in Colorado. And so um, they had made the argument that uh, Senate Bill 256 would have somehow undermined the underlying intent and the will of the voters. And that it would have resulted in a reintroduction. And even as far, uh, even went as far as to say that it might um, prohibit or in in some way hinder the uh, issuance of a 10 j approval from US Fish and Wildlife Service. Um, We obviously don't agree with any of those arguments. Um, But, you know, it is the prerogative of the governor to exercise the veto pen. And this was clearly an issue where he was willing to do so.
0: Gaspard, is there any legislative action that can undo a
1: veto? There is a legislative action that can undo a veto. Um, When you have a a supermajority, as we do, you know, the the legislature can overturn a veto with two-thirds of the vote. The problem is, is that the legislative session this year has concluded. And um, so there will not be an opportunity to override the veto this legislative session. Um, the speaker because speaker cannot is,
0: bring them back?
1: Uh, the, the, a special the, could the, be the special
0: session can only be convened by the governor.
1: Correct. And the agenda for that special <laughs> session is obviously also set by the governor and, and um, House and Senate leadership. And so um, there were early rumors of a special session. Um, On bills entirely unrelated to this one, but those have largely been. uh, Well, at this point, let's just say that it seems unlikely there's going to be a legislative session. So, you know, to the degree that we uh, were to choose to statutorily fix this, it would have to be done next year um, and next year's legislative session.
0: Okay. All right. So now let's talk about, because this is where. If Cody was on, this is where Cody had some questions, and and I'm sort of relaying what Cody had, and I've also, I'm also interested to understand because I think I'm a little confused when they say that they felt like, or not that. Let's just be specific. The governor felt like the, the issuance or the idea that a 10J had to be put in place before wolves were reintroduced that would delay wolf reintroduction. Is the, is, does he know something we don't know? I.e., like, is, is Fish and Wildlife Service on the cusp of issuing whatever they need to issue to the state to reintroduce
1: wolves? Let me reframe this question a little bit, because I think I know where Robbie's going here. You know, the reason that this bill came to be is because um, the administration had interpreted the language of Prop 114, which... Explicitly says the Colorado Parks and Wildlife Commission must take the steps necessary to begin a reintroduction by the end of this year. Yep. That has been interpreted to mean that pause must be on the ground by the year. Interpreted years
0: end. by the governor. Well, uh, yeah. And the, CPW the administration as is by effectively the one that, yep. yeah.
1: Um, you will not find that language in the ballot language itself, right? And so <laughs> there was an interpretation that. Paws needed to be on the ground by year's end. Fish and Wildlife Service has been working on a 10-J for the better part of a year and a half now. We have gone through the uh, NEPA analysis, the environmental impact statement. Um, They are soliciting comments on a draft 10-J, and they have um, been telling the state that they have every expectation to complete the issuance of a 10-J by December 15th of this year. Um, When you talk to U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service folks, um, they are working very hard to ensure that that is the case. Um, But this is a big lift. And, you know, if if for any reason Fish and Wildlife Service gets delayed in this process, there's this looming question of whether or not December 31st comes and goes, Fish and Wildlife Service has not yet issued a 10J to Colorado. Will the state, per their interpretation of Prop 114, move forward with a reintroduction but without they count, the 10 they Jad?
0: can't. That would be well, illegal.
1: There, there is an avenue available to them under what is known as a Section 6 agreement. And under the Section 6 agreement, and you know it's important to remember too that um, when you relocate wolves from a state where a... Uh, where the wolf is not listed, and there are several in the United States where they could source a population of wolves, they're not required to receive um, permits that allow for the interstate travel of those wolves, so long as you source them from a delisted population. So under the Section 6 agreement that the state currently has in place, they could reintroduce wolves into Colorado without a 10-J. Um, but they would have that to scenario, come or, from
0: Wyoming, well, Idaho uh, I don't, or Montana.
1: Montana. Yeah, those three know, and Wyoming would be another. um And then, of course, we have a you know the population of wolves in the Great Lake region as well. And so, um, but those aren't covered. But, the, but those are not delisted, right? So, just the Western Rocky Mountain states would be the ones that would allow for that. So. The long and the short of it is, uh, yeah, there is a scenario whereby a reintroduction of wolves into Colorado could happen without a 10-J approval. And what is so you know, concerning to us here is that that decision might fundamentally be forced on the Colorado Parks and Wildlife Commission by the interpretation of a superficial deadline, mm-hmm. that December 31st deadline. The state's going to have the choice of complying with their interpretation of that statute. Or their commitment to move forward with a 10J. <laughs> we tried to eliminate that scenario where that choice would need to be made. Uh, you know, we're really talking about doing this right or doing it fast. And there's a way to achieve both. And, and that was the underlying intent of, of Senate Bill 256.
0: Yep. So, Gaspar, you probably read the same article I did. And I don't know how much of it was smoke, it had a bunch of quotes in it. In which there were officials from all those states, Wyoming, Montana, Idaho, that said, no, we're not giving you wolves.
1: I did see that article. Um, I obviously, not being an employee of Colorado Parks and Wildlife, have not been part of, any of those conversations. Um, I do understand, though, that there are a few states that have made available the option to secure a population of wolves for reintroduction into colorado um now whether they would be willing to do that without the issuance of a 10j i think remains a question Mm -hmm. some states have outright said no we will not give you wolves Mm -hmm. but that uh is not all of them so yeah there, there are still options for the state to secure a population of wolves and you know you bring up a good point here too Not all wolves are created equal, and we want to source a population of wolves that will be most conducive to a, um, you know, a a relationship with livestock in Colorado um, with the, the least impact. And depending on where you source wolves, from what I understand, some are more prone to be, you know, chronic depredators, others because of the natural environment from which they are coming are more prone to stay away. And so they are giving some serious thoughts to sourcing a population that, you know, will be most suitable for what the conditions in Colorado look like. Mm-hmm.
0: So I, I, I guess, you know, we think the 10J is going to come in. U S fish and wildlife Service says the 10J is coming. That's the only mechanism by which they can operate under, right? Is there another mechanism? Is there an EA or an EIS that they can operate under?
1: For uh, conducting a reintroduction? Yeah. Is that the question? Yeah, that Section 6 agreement is the alternative, right? And that would be reflected in the EIS as the no-action alternative. And so the, there were three, uh, three alternatives that were listed under the, uh, the NEPA process, and the no-action alternative one would effectively be the reintroduction under the Section 6 agreement. Hmm. And what that effectively means, it, we'd see a reintroduction <clears throat> that would be administered and perpetually managed by U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service because the population that would come to Colorado without a 10J would be classified as endangered. And in that scenario of an endangered population, the state gets no management authority. That would Uh fall under the sole purview of U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Uh Uh Now, I think it's important to note here, too, that the state has been explicit in their desire, time, and effort, and I think in earnest, to secure a 10J. The governor has said himself that that is the preferred alternative. Colorado Parks and Wildlife undeniably sees that as the only appropriate path forward. The Colorado Parks and Wildlife Commission um, just recently approved a uh, proclamation unanimously that said, we want to see a reintroduction occur under a 10-J. Um, the state has, you know spent the million dollars to finance the environmental impact statement. Yep. And the wolf management plan itself, which was required to be developed under the proposition, um, and, you know, was the product of two years of stakeholder engagement, two um, state-established working group, one on a technical side, one on a social side, um, just unanimously passed the approval of this wolf management plan. And the entirety of it is predicated on a reintroduction mm-hmm. under a ten J. So, you know, from my vantage point, there's a strong argument to be made that, um, you know, to, to the point that the governor had made in his release about this undermining the will of the people, I, I don't see it that way. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I think the statute was pretty clear in saying that. Colorado Parks and Wildlife must develop a plan um, to reintroduce wolves. And it w- there was kind of two dual missions here in that proposition. One was pause on the ground. And the second was that the commission shall not impose any land, water, or resource restrictions on private landowners as a result of the reintroduction. The only way by which to achieve both of those standards is a reintroduction under 10J. So, it, you know. Reasonable people can disagree, but I, I I see that NJ is the only way by which to uphold the will of the people mm-hmm. here.
0: Mm-hmm. Guess what? What is what are the higher up politicos saying about this? The, the the leadership, the Colorado leadership that is in you know in Washington D.C. from a a representative and and senator level? Are they behind Polis? Are they in opposition to Polis? Do do we know the
1: feelings there? Um, well, like everything in this country right now, you're gonna find a whole slew of opinions on that matter. But, um, you know, Senator Hickenlooper recently sent a letter to U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service requesting that they complete the 10J by the Mm, December. That's what I was getting. That's what I was
0: getting at. Is this if there's any pressure now, you know, in the Senate and the House, to yes. from their, their respect to saying, hey, Fish and Wildlife Service, hey, Deb ha- Holland, get, get moving.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think there is vested interest in the Colorado delegation on both sides of the aisle yeah. to see that this is done um, correctly under the, <laughs> the purview of a 10-J rule. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, you know, what, what's ironic here, too, is that um, – It's also best for the wolves in this particular case, right? Right. The management flexibility that would be provided to parks and wildlife and the social carrying capacity for a self-sustaining population will be so much greater when landowners are provided the tools and the mechanisms to mitigate what is inevitable um, wolf depredation on occasion, right? And yeah, I, I think you could have the same conversation with any number of um wolf proponents who would agree that a reintroduction under a 10j is is also the best scenario for establishing a self-sustaining population of wolves in the state
0: did the wolf compensation bill get signed
1: it has not been signed yet um it will be signed uh i understand that it's likely to be signed this saturday
0: okay okay and then you
1: know there's Virtually unanimous support for that. Mm -hmm. Um, We've carved out $375,000 annually to be made available for compensation to livestock owners who realize some degree of wolf depredation or injury. And um, you you might also recall that the legislation uh, or the, the language in Proposition 114 explicitly stated that that was a requirement of approval.
0: Yep, that's true that's true well i guess we are uh in a wait and see type scenario gaspar right hopefully it's under 10j and hopefully not under a section six which may see and cpw uh, you know i i don't even know what to call them like you know getting a trailer and running across
1: multiple state lines and loading up a trailer full of wolves and bringing them back and releasing them you know yeah, I don't know what that looks like either, but yeah, I mean, we are in a wait-and-see game. Um, uh, we all hope desperately at this point, given that, uh, you know, there is no safety net in place any longer, that Fish and Wildlife Service delivers on the timeline. In um, the occasion they don't, um, you know, it, who knows what will happen, Um It's been made relatively clear to us by testimony offered by the Department of Natural Resources um, that they understand and seem prepared to exercise whatever authority is available to them to reintroduce wolves by year's end. So um, it's it's an unfortunate reality. Um, You know, again, I'll emphasize once again that it's our understanding that this is the will of the people to ensure that a wolf reintroduction is Done correctly, Um, passed out of the House forty-one to twenty-two. Passed out of the Senate twenty-nine to six. Jeez. The bill was sponsored by every single Western Slope legislator, and that's important. Remember, because Proposition One Fourteen only reauthorized Wolf to be reintroduced west of the Continental Divide. So the the representation of every county, municipality, individual. West of the Continental Divide, put their name on this bill. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's an unfortunate reality to find ourselves in. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm disappointed, like the sponsors are, that, um, you know, the governor chose not to heed the advice of the legislature or, or as we see it, the, the voters in this case.
0: Well, man, I... Uh... Well, we'll just we'll we'll keep you on speed dial for anything that happens, and uh, I appreciate you taking time out of your your ranching to just sit down in front of a computer for a quick thirty minutes and just talk about this because it's a really current event happened a day ago. And um, yeah,
1: thank you guys for doing what you're doing. We appreciate it. Ah, you're welcome, and uh, we we'll look forward to doing more for you. Sounds great. Take care. Cheers.